Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thanks everyone for joining us today for Profits and Purpose, which is a production of Colorado Business Roundtable. And today we're welcoming the Executive Director of Club 20, Christian Reese. Welcome, Christian. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your story, uh, your journey. Uh, let's let's kind of go back. Tell me more about you before we get into the Club 20 aspect. Well, I was born and raised in the military, which um, is surprising to some being in Colorado, but my father was in the Air Force for 20 years, and so we moved um, across the United States every four years and ended up here in Colorado, where I went to high school in Rifle um, and then went to college for my undergraduate degree at Colorado Mesa University, where I was actually a pre-med major of all things, but uh, chose not to go to medical school and ended up in politics. So that was kind of an unlikely <laughs> path, but it seems to be military, my niche. Military medical school politics. Right, only in America, right. right. It doesn't exactly make sense. And so you um, worked in politics before you took the position at Club 20. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I worked for Congressman Scott Tipton for two years. A prominent leader in the Grand Junction community reached out to me and said, I want you to go to work for Scott Tipton. And I said, Scott who? And she <laughs> laughed and said, he's our member of Congress. And I said, absolutely not. I hate politics. I turn the channel whenever the news comes on. This is not my cup of tea. And she said, that's why you need to go to work in politics. Um, so I, I did end up going to work for the congressman and was with him for two years. And then when the opportunity came open to lead a nonpartisan organization, I jumped at the opportunity because I saw firsthand what the partisan gridlock does to kill really good and good intended legislation just because of partisan politics. And I, I wanted to work somewhere where I felt like I could break up some of those partisan behaviors. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. When, when regular people get involved, you know, we've got a shot at potentially even more collaboration, you know, more understanding of each other, the gridlock and folks who kind of stick around uh, for decades in that political world, you know, are probably the glue that's making things not happen correctly. Definitely. And I think getting more business people involved in those leadership positions is extremely important as well, because as we were discussing earlier, you know, having a different perspective being in those leadership positions, I think would result in different outcomes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So tell us, I don't know that a lot of my partners would know what Club 20, what Club 20 is, how it was started, what the mission is, what you all do, uh, you know, day in and day out. So give us kind of a rundown. Yeah. So Club 20 is 68 years old this year. We are a nonpartisan political advocacy organization who is tasked at elevating the issues that impact Western Colorado at the state and federal levels. And so I know that's kind of nebulous uh, to try to understand. I joke that we lock people in a room, give them an issue, and force them to come up with consensus-driven solutions. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle those solutions fall on, as long as they're in the best interest of our region. And that's what we've been doing for 68 years. 
We um, try to make sure that we have both sides of an issue represented when we're hearing discussions on issues. And ultimately, I take those positions from our members. I weigh in on policy issues at the state level, on legislation, on regulatory issues, and also I do some work at the federal level on behalf of the region. And I think one of the interesting things, too, that I've, that I've gotten to know over the years about Club 20 is you're pretty uh, famous. When people are running for office, they need to come visit Club 20. They can't just pay attention to Denver or the suburbs around Denver. You know, the state is has four corners, and you represent a really important constituency, and especially in terms of having candidates come down and debate. Yeah, so we actually host the largest candidate debates in Western Colorado, and when we hold them in person, they have an attendance of typically around a thousand people from across the region and across the state. So when candidates run for office, we are an extremely important stop on that campaign tour to be able to tell the people of our region, you know, what issues are important to the candidates and how they plan to defend those issues if they do gain election. So um, it's one of the many events that we host throughout the year in election years. And I think some candidates have learned the hard way that we are an important place to stop along that tour. (laughs) And they better not be brushing up on the first time about water or energy or land use. You know, they need to study up before they start the drive to get to that debate. Well, I I would encourage anybody who's ever even considering running for office to at least make an effort at learning the issues that impact the constituents that you're trying to represent, because otherwise you're going to find yourself stumbling quite a bit when asked the tough questions. So I want to shift now. I, I totally agree with you. You know, these, these sort of this four corners approach to issues that aren't just, again, Denver Metro. Um, Let's talk a little bit about COVID. You know, obviously our organization, Colorado Business Roundtable, had to adjust when COVID uh, came about one year ago today in terms of everything from planning um, with a global pandemic. But of course, our sweet spot in yours, too, is about economic vitality. How do we make sure businesses can reopen? How can they serve their customers in a safe manner? How can they continue to employ you know, their folks and make sure they're safe. How is how has COVID affected your planning for the year? How did you have to adjust as an organization, in particular internally, but also how you um, how you helped your members move forward through COVID? Yeah, we definitely did have to adjust more so at the beginning than in our current state. We are extremely fortunate in that our main office is actually housed in Mesa County, though we represent the 22 county region of the the Western Slope. And Mesa County was a leader in the state in developing our five-star protection program that allowed businesses to go through a bit of a training course in making sure that they were protecting both their employees and their customers. And so we've actually been operating one level underneath the county status under the five star protection program, as have many businesses in the uh, in the county. And that program since been adopted um, by several other counties and I think is, is becoming a statewide model. But so many of our events that we do throughout the year are in person. So we had to cancel our spring conference in 2020, where we would normally bring in elected and appointed leaders from across the state to give updates to our membership. We canceled that this last year, 
but we are planning to hold it in person this year in April. Um, so we're able to do that under the Five Star Variance Program. In order to engage our members, we implemented a series of virtual town halls. So instead of having these in-person meetings that our members are used to having, we've been doing almost monthly meetings with um, the treasurer, with the attorney general, with our senators and our, um, our member of Congress for our region to provide updates, to share information. We had a Wolf Town Hall, we had a CDOT Town Hall, and I think our members have really responded to those opportunities and they feel like there's still action happening even though we're not able to have some of those in-person events. And it's been able to magnify their voice directly with the decision makers on so many of the important issues that impact our region. We've experienced the same thing, Christian, that, you know, with disruption, there's certainly challenges, but there's opportunities. And so even as we start hopefully opening up in the next couple months, perhaps as a state, some of the technology that we've been put in place, it sounds like similarly to you, you know, could still be part of the business plan going forward because it helps bring people together using technology, which which is always good too. There are a lot of people who saw the pandemic as purely negative, but I actually think out of this pandemic is so many opportunities. And one of those is how we do business. And I do think the pandemic is going to completely change the way we do business moving forward with remote work, with even just changing attitudes about what working from home looks like. I can tell you our membership, I don't think was as open to working from home opportunities in the past because you never know what people are doing at home. You know, they, they could say they're working from home, but maybe they're watching, you know, morning soap operas all, all day. But this opportunity I think has forced modernization on more traditional organizations like Club 20. They've really incentivized some of our older population to learn how to use some of these new technologies and how to engage in a more modern world. And, and I see that as nothing but positive moving forward into the future. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, the flexibility of tomorrow's workforce and also even uh, geographic considerations. You might see a flood of people coming to the Western Slope, re-energizing some towns, uh, you know, maybe some of that's good, some of that's bad, but yeah. it, it's exciting that people have more options. And we've se- we've seen that. We Our school enrollment in some of our rural communities is through the roof, and it's from people from metropolitan areas, and not just metropolitan Colorado, but New York and California, you know, some of these more populous states, Texas even, who left their states during the pandemic to come to their winter home or summer home here in our small mountain communities and have chosen to stay. And, uh, you know, while there's there's certainly benefits to that, we do see some rubs here and there when people from, you know, New York City or San Francisco come to a town of 10,000 people and expect to have <laughs> the same level of service or the same broadband quality as they enjoyed in San Francisco and, and so there's certainly going to be some adaption of expectations for those folks who have chosen to relocate. Yeah, and I would think too, not only services and, and like you mentioned broadband, but I suspect their policy priorities are different if they move here from 
California by and large to let's say Grand Junction. So let, let's dive into some of your policy priorities. And I know we're both following right now the Colorado legislature. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things happening um, down at the Capitol. You know, there's a lot going on in the regulatory environment. What would you say are your two or three top priorities as an organization looking looking um, into the remaining session? Well, we certainly are trying to follow all of those bills. Club 20 does not employ a lobbyist. So it is just me reading 700 pieces of legislation every session. Uh, so we do our best to stay on top of them, but that really focus, focuses our attention on those critical issues. And currently, not at the legislature, but um, in process is certainly the wolf introduction to Western Colorado. We are working extremely closely with the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife and the director of the Department of Natural Resources in ensuring that we are having robust stakeholder engagement so that this process is thoughtful and really serves as a model for other states of how to do it correctly. You know, the wolf introduction is going to impact our outdoor recreation industry. It's going to impact, impact our cattle producers. Um, anybody who either enjoys or has a livelihood in the outdoors has the potential to be impacted by this. So we just want to make sure that we're doing it right and in a thoughtful way. And you like wolves before you move to the next one. I, mm -hmm. I, it seems like I read that the polling on that rural Colorado didn't want the wolf reintroduction. It was something that came again from kind of the, the, the core of the city of Denver or other sort of suburban areas. But I wonder if you could speak on that. Right. So that measure passed by less than 1% of a margin and it was passed but predominantly by the voters in the the Denver metro area and I think it really emphasizes the growing rural urban divide that we experience which is what club 20 works so hard to try to overcome and and so it's it, frankly the feeling in western Colorado um is a little bit of a betrayal to be completely frank. It's, you know, we thought we were all in this together as one state, but the Denver Metro area forced something on us that we didn't vote for and it passed. You know, there's no arguing that the measure passed. The will of the people of Colorado was demonstrated. So we are doing our best to try to come up with ways where we can implement what is required by law without completely destroying the traditional uses of our region that we've enjoyed for hundreds of years. Yeah, well said. And I know uh, we're, I'm following also, there's there's quite a bit of a divide on uh, the proclamation about meat, you know, the no meat day. And I've seen, you know, rural Colorado again and, and our agriculture community, uh, you know, we're a little bit offended by that. Uh, so it's pretty remarkable, actually, you know, I appreciate perhaps, you know, the perspective of where the governor is coming from. I think it was well intentioned. I don't think it was mal intended, but the interpretation of of no meat day certainly did not go over well. And it's actually turning out to be, you know, a pretty positive thing for cattle producers in the beef industry because there's a run on meat on March <laughs> 20th. 
I've um, seen a lot of friends who say, look, uh, and, and I don't necessarily eat a lot of meat, but I probably will on March 20th. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. definitely will be enjoying a big slab of steak on March 20th. Look, we, we know that agriculture is one of the core industries of the state of Colorado. And when you talk about who we are as a state, ag helped develop this state. And we have to continue to support that industry as they face changing climate conditions, as they face a fluctuating commodities market. We need to support the ag industry as much as possible if we wanna be fed in the future. Well, I, uh, you, you talked about coming from a military family. I came from a wheat, a wheat family and a cattle family, and I didn't grow up producing either of those things, but those are my roots. So I have such a great respect for our agriculture communities. So I uh, appreciate just, I didn't mean to jump into all the controversial things, but I thought that no, was it's, such a strange top of mind issue. Oh, it is. It is. And, you know, as we, as we look down the road, we're, we're also following the public option legislation because we're, we're wanting to make sure that healthcare in rural Colorado is affordable and accessible and policies that may cause the regionalization of our healthcare system may work in metropolitan areas or smaller states. But when we have people traversing hundreds of miles to make it to a doctor's appointment, the regionalization of our system does not work. And so we're keeping a very close eye on that legislation and other healthcare legislation that would um, have potential positive or negative impacts for our, our folks in Western Colorado. And then certainly if I had to pick a third, it's going to be the economic recovery of our region. You know, as we do start to pull out of the pandemic, our small business community has been completely hammered and supporting our small businesses, our small retailers, restaurants, uh, tourism operators is going to be important to see a quick recovery. And how do you feel like, uh, you know, and I appreciate those policy priorities. We have similar ones as well, especially in light of the public option, you know, on making sure our energy producers uh, aren't overly burdened. They, it just it continues to be piling on our energy producers here in Colorado. Uh, but what would you say in terms of recovery. We're seeing some, I think, industries that are that are looking more positive, again, particularly here in kind of the um, suburban and urban corridor. Are you seeing recovery in rural Colorado, or do you feel like it's going to be harder hit and harder to recover? What, what's your um, input on I'm that? not an economist by training, but I would say on whole, Rural Colorado and Western Colorado, I think, has been more open than the Denver metro area throughout the COVID pandemic. From my conversations that I've had with my counterparts in the metro area, things are still fairly locked down in, in your neck of the woods, and they haven't been in Western Colorado for quite some time now. Certainly, we're all still wearing masks and practicing social distancing, but our restaurants have been open. You know, outdoor recreation has been enjoyed by more than normal. In fact, some of our mountain communities have seen a dramatic increase in sales tax and lodging tax because people are coming to rural parts of the state to get away from everybody. During We're the voting pandemic. with our feet, aren't we? That's right. You know, so certainly some of our event businesses have been hit, caterers have been hit, but I really feel very positive and optimistic about a quick recovery once the restrictions truly are lifted. 
What do you feel like, and I know we've got to wrap up here in a minute, but what do you feel like are the biggest opportunities or the biggest challenges for Club 20 when you're looking at the next couple of years? I mean, certainly going to challenges first, you know, we thought we had made some ground on the urban-rural divide, and then this last election really set us all back, I think. And we have to realize that we are one state of Colorado. We are not Western Colorado, Eastern Colorado, and then Denver. We are all Colorado, and we have to work together and make sure that we're not harming each other with short-sighted ballot measures or legislation. If the folks from Denver want to enjoy the beauty of Western Colorado, then they need to take that into consideration when they go to the ballot box in November. And I actually would say, I think that's one of our biggest opportunities. We are a people who I think have a common sense of who we are as Coloradans, and we need to draw on that and put partisan politics aside and really come up with consensus-driven solutions that benefit all of Colorado, not just one side of the aisle or the other. And I think that's an opportunity. Well, and it really is coming full circle to how you introduced yourself at the very beginning, right? Trying to put Republicans aside, Democrats aside, and say, how do we as Coloradans actually come together and come up with ways where we can all live you know, our dreams and follow our paths of opportunity wherever you live in Colorado. We have more in common than we realize. We just tend to focus on the things that we don't have in common. But if we were to make a list of the things that we all agree on, I would argue that probably 70 to 80% of those items would be the same, regardless of the letter that comes after your name. Well, I love that. And and one of the things I'd love to do, Kristen, is keep in touch as as our board uh, tends to represent larger employers, probably mostly in Metro Denver, but Colorado Business Roundtable considers you such an ally and a voice for what we need to know. And I might even say, gosh, we need to have a field trip to rural Colorado. Maybe we need to bring people down, especially since the stock show didn't happen, right, to see what agriculture looks like, see some energy um, producing sites and, and really get a taste of what all Four Corners looks like. Well, we would love to have you. Just let me know and, and we'll put together a tour of the region and end it with a Club 20 tradition by way of a steak fry and probably a, a glass <laughs> okay. of whiskey to wash it down with. I think that's perfect. Maybe we'll invite a couple of legislators who've never been outside of Denver. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> it would be great for them to know how you get to Grand Junction from Denver. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time today. And again, look forward to working with you on these public policy issues and particularly helping to be a, a, a collaborator um, in terms of what we do as organizations. So Christian Reese with Club 20, thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Debbie. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.